Coming to you now quite live from Pinanda Studios, the Bad Workers production. I'm Sasha Senevic. With me is Brian O'Hawk. After a long absence from the airwaves, <laughs> Brian O'Hawk, how have you been the past few weeks? All right. Okay. As far as like people wondering where were we, what have we done, and we're still alive. Uh, like we always say in the show, this is something we do around our daily lives. So occasionally things happen that we have to get taken care of in our lives and with our actual jobs which uh, caused us to sort of go to the background. But we always try to get back to it, and uh, so we're back. Okay? Yep. So today's topic, alternative music sort of has this, uh, it serves as an umbrella label, where a lot of people like, it has a lot of different sounds that stretch a lot of different bands that don't really fit together. I think though, if there's one band that you can, totally define alternative music by especially 90s alternative music it's got to be Nine Inch Nails yes and when you talk about Nine Inch Nails you got to talk about like the one member of one that really defines Nine Inch Nails because it's pretty much a pseudonym for him Trent yep Trent, Trent Reznor okay so like so Trent Reznor hit the scene like in 1989 pretty hate machine for those who don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it hit the scene, and it was a new sound. Now, we already talked about, like, the death of glam and how grunge came along around the, that exact same time. And so yeah. they put the last nail in the coffin. And then this, what I would call the golden age of alternative music in the 90s hit that uh, sort of killed everything 80s-wise. <laughs> but it also, it, it introduces new uh, sound and rock music. That had a West influence. So we talked about the, the influence that grunge had on that. But uh, simultaneously, Nine Inch Nails, you know, with Trent, also sort of like a, developed a unique sound that wasn't influenced by grunge. It wasn't part of grunge. But it still also had just as much of an influence as far as like defining what 90s alternative music would sound like. And uh, so sort of like, I want to hit on that today. So sort of like talk about the, because I know a lot of times we sort of hit different uh, topics, but we're both all like this. I think this might be like the one genre that really had a huge influence on us personally. So that's why I think we can cover a lot of ground. Yeah. At least it did on me. I mean, I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I grew up listening to Nine Inch Nails you know, Trent Reznor and, and all that. I mean, that's that's what helped me get past the the the... Hair metal in the late eighties before Nirvana. Well, you had got to big. Wait that one year. <laughs> yeah, you know. Before that, there was like just crap. Well, there was punk music was was around in the eighties too. Yeah, but I wasn't like well, I was exposed to it. Not really exposed to it. I was more around the the stuff that was popular on like TV. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, I, was, well, I mean, yeah. Well, that's it. Well, that's the thing, like because. Uh, especially like as Trent was coming out, uh, a lot of bands in the 80s existed that had sort of like this newer sound where it was going for towers, but they were underground. They were sort of not in the mainstream. You had to sort of be within that uh, community in order to hear it. And then like, but it was through uh, bands like, you know, like Grunge was one thing that we talked about, but also through Nine Inch Nails that sort of hit the mainstream and got you know when he got his label deal uh original went into scope then he had a huge falling out with them <laughs> but yeah it, i know he's with columbia now but uh, like originally like, it had such a wide um, uh, mainstream success commercial success that it sort of 
may it open a door for all these other acts also to come uh, sort of like to get more mainstream attention yeah, get yeah, a yeah. wider audience sort of like and that's why we became exposed to it if they hadn't we might not have heard it and you know who knows Glam might still <laughs> have ruled the airwaves for <laughs> nah. another decade to come although nah. I, I like to think the consumers just sort of got like whatever cocaine trip they were on in the 80s <laughs> they finally yeah. woke up from it and, yeah. that, and that's what killed it off and it would have happened no matter what but that's a story for another day oh yeah but like just focusing on him here's the interesting thing about him he in some ways is sort of seen as the self-made musician because he you know he tried he went through a couple of bands before and he tried doing the you know like the usual thing where you join a band you do gigs and then eventually he produced a, an album with, which he did uh, he worked as a producer quote-unquote yeah but also as the janitor <laughs> yeah in there and uh, he just asked to be able to do his own demo uh on the when they weren't using the studios and he sort of like influenced by prince who i know is a you're a big fan of yeah. uh so like did all the instrumentals on his own except i think like drums he hired someone for that but like essentially did all yeah, that yeah, yeah. did all the sampling did all the mixing did everything and produced pretty hate machine uh essentially by himself yeah you know and uh, i think for it, that's a lot that's a big influence for a lot of people who are like are trying to get into the who you know like become musicians or self-made yeah, musicians yeah, yeah. so uh so i think that's like a good example of somebody that uh, like when you're that driven and that devoted to it like you sort of and he did it with a sound that wasn't popular in a sense and when i say popular what i really mean is like not it, it was commercially risky territory that yeah, he, was, he, he, he was in. It, it wasn't a sound that was known. Yeah, well, he did the whole industrial. In, in thing, a way, so. like, yeah. And he, in a way, he marketed that. Like, he put his stamp on that. Yeah. Uh, on, that uh, on that particular sound. Because you know what a Nine Inch Nails song is, right, when you hear it. Yeah. Or at least, I mean, like we do. <laughs> like uh, people who listen to the kind of music we do. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think, like, that's really clever. One way it's risky because it. It could have failed because it was still sort of glam, was still around, even though it was dying. But for like the average consumer, they had no idea that within a year or two it was be completely gone. Yeah. Uh, so and also it all fell on him. If something wasn't good, I mean, it would be all on him. There's nobody else to blame. Yeah. As far as like their production, and then you know, like repeatedly, and he kept doing it. You know, it wasn't a one-off thing. He could have become a, you know, one-hit wonder. And then that could have been the end of it. But then some would say, you know, as the years went by, as he produced some music, it, it, he only proved that this was a genre and a style of music that was here to stay. Yeah. And yeah. that could have a long-lasting appeal uh, through the generations. Because right now it's a new generation that came out, that's come out since. And it still has the same appeal because he's still touring. He's still yeah, he, making money. That's... And other bands have come out and still come out that are clearly influenced by the sound that he produced. Yeah. Well, the thing, I mean, the, that's... The sound he started, you know, started off with and stuff is bigger overseas. You know, it's the industrial yeah, scene. Yeah, I don't mean like he invented a, it. But no, no, no. But that's the thing. The industrial scene it was not really hit here in, in, it wasn't know, as in the known, States yeah. or whatever. And you know, over in Germany where everything is, <laughs> you know, it was. it's a big thing. It's been you know, around since like 70s or whatever. I mean, it's been around for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, Bowie, I think, even touched on it. Just it was a big, it was a big influence on Trent. Yeah, 
So, I mean, that's the thing is he, you know, Trent started something with something risky. He didn't go with the the hair metal. He didn't go with like the grunge stuff. He just kind of just industrial rock type thing, which is a different, you know, flavor in music, I guess. And it, it hit for him. So that's what he went with. You know, that's what's been working for him. Right. Although he has done a lot of different things. I mean, you know, he's, he's branched out now. But, you know, that's, you know, yeah, we'll, later in we'll, conversation. Well, yeah, we'll get into it because there are, of course, criticisms. There are too many criticisms that we're going to touch on in the course of this. But right now, I just want to sort of lay out yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things about him. So, starting out, he will he's somebody that's also famous for, like, all his collaborations. He's not scared to do – he's not afraid to do collaborations and mix his sounds yeah. with others. You know, he'll do film scores are another thing that he's uh, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of – lot of uh, like, he has a lot – uh, discography that was just produced clearly solely for movies. Yeah. So, you know, like, and that, but, and a lot of people, you know, might probably hear, heard that this thing trend as a sound without even knowing it just from like movies and yeah, yeah, things yeah. like that. Uh, I mean, there, there but, was, I mean, that's the thing like, is he, it's a different sound he does for scores right. than he does for nine inch nails. So he does dis- uh, distinguish the two. I mean, yes, he has some of the same feel, but it's still a different sound because, I mean, didn't he produce the whole Facebook? Uh, the social network social right? network Movie. also Gone Girl and Gone Girl yeah he did all the music for those but yeah yeah he you, you clearly, don't really tell yeah he has I think that uh, he has a versatility to him when he when he feels it's appropriate yeah to have it he also produ- he also did some producer work with uh, Notorious B.I.G. back in the 90s back in the 90s which is uh, not which isn't that common with yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. who's clearly in rock music, yeah, and uh, in like a and a, like distinctly distinctly hip hop <laughs> artist, yeah, 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 you know, which is one reason why Timberland uh, is a big fan of Trent Reznor, yeah, like he he's on record as saying he's the best music producer that there is, and Trent, in addition to being a good musician, I think this is also what largely made his uh, early works so successful. It's like he's a very good, very meticulous producer. Yeah. Like he knows how to sound, how it's supposed to sound, how the tracks are supposed to flow into each other. Yeah. In a way that a lot of musicians don't. A lot of musicians, they might be very talented uh, songwriters, they might be very uh, talented instrumentalists, but when it comes to the aspect of uh, just putting it all together yeah, in a yeah, coherent yeah. package, Trent sort of just has an ear for that. Yeah, I, that's why you have producers and then you have musicians you know, that's that's what they focus on. They don't just like do the music and be like, okay, this is how you play it. They rearrange it. They, you know, kind of tweak it and make it sound better. Or, you know, they in a full track, they can kind of make it come, you know, come together correctly and not stand out as much. So, yeah. yeah. And a lot and of Trent people... does that. He, he has his, his two hats, three hats, whatever, to where he does the musician part, the producer part. And everything else, like you know, a lot of musicians now are doing that because digital agents a lot easier. It's made it a lot uh, easier for people because you can. We do, okay, think of it this way: we have a podcast that we host and we put out on our own. Yeah. Twenty years ago, would we have had the you know before there was SoundCloud, YouTube, <laughs> uh, iTunes? You know, like we, before we had such easy access to mediums, would we have been able to do that? Like it would have been a hell of a lot harder for oh, us. Yeah. Like you, it's not as simple as just hey, you got a Gmail account, you can pretty much <laughs> do any of these yeah. things. Like you, 
you got a anything to record something on a microphone, you're done. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a webcam. You can pretty much get it done. So, but that's why, like, for him to do that in the '80s, yeah, I think uh, you know, like, it's something worth uh, giving uh, credit to. The other thing I always give him credit for is this: when uh, he had an issue, when he started having a real issue with Interscope. Uh, he did this whole thing where he encouraged his fans to quote unquote steal his music. Yeah. He encouraged them to go out there and just download the shit out of it like as much as they can. Uh, get, so that's the other thing. Like in some ways, of course he wants to make a living. Of course he wants to make money, but it, I, and I felt like that, uh, where it's, it's cliche for a lot of musicians to say, I'm all about the music, man. I don't care about the yeah, money. Yeah, then yeah. Napster hits and it reveals that 90% of them are total bullshit artists when oh, it comes yeah. to that. They care about the money. I feel like with Trento, <laughs> when push comes to shove, he really does wants to get his music out. Yeah, I know yeah, someone's going to list some example where he, he, he wants to hear somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, mean, I felt like more so than others, he does. The, and this is, let's get into a little bit of, one criticism that I don't really think is a criticism, the his reputation for being a perfectionist. Yeah. Like a, being very controlling when it comes to how the sound is supposed to be, uh, when it comes to being very demanding about how it's supposed to be. I'm paying uh, attention. That's, uh, I think that he gets criticized for that and a lot of people like it's, the personality comes on too strong. But I don't really think it's a bad thing to be a perfectionist, especially yeah, to yeah, have something yeah. that's so, let's say, delicate. But that's that's the thing is if you're doing a you know your producer like record producer and you're that's what you're doing you have to be a perfectionist. So I mean that's that's the thing is you don't want someone who's going to be lazing around. It's kind of like hey, yeah, it sounds fine, you know, it's kind of whatever. It's like no, 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 we need to redo this again. It's just the sound's not coming out right. Something just not feeling right. Well, whatever. Especially, I mean, yeah, with him, it's he's doing all the work. He's doing a lot of the the you know playing on all, on the tracks. He you know re, he arranged the the songs. He wrote the songs. He's done everything on it. So yeah, he's, it's his baby. He's going to be a little extra pushy on it, I guess. Mm. And so that you know, as as you're saying, um, it is something that you know <clears throat> it would be hard to work with somebody like that. But that's because they want to make sure it's coming out right and what's in their head, you know. Because yeah. I mean, he worked with tons of artists, mm-hmm. and I think the the tracks or the albums he worked with sound a lot better than what they did without him. Yeah, you know, like Manson. Yeah, it's, and- it's, it's you know, I liked the stuff that he did with Trent Reznor, and then he went away from him, and it turned into crap. And then he kind of went back to that same feel, kind of sound but not with Trent that I know. Well, Manson is an interesting case and might be a good uh, case example for this because uh, the reason why they had sort of a professional split, if possibly even a personal split, is like uh, Manson's quote is saying they had to make a choice whether he wanted to keep a friendship or whether he wanted to uh, go out there and uh, succeed as much as he could because he sort of sort of like implying that sort of Trent didn't want him to become more successful than him. Yeah. And then he, he himself was. Yeah. Instead of uh, like, so there might, like, I don't know any of these people personally. There might be that aspect to his personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to de- dismiss it or deny it or claim that it's not true. Or, and, you know, and, I'm not, and I can't confirm it, of course, because again, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, but 
I can see why that might be there. Like if he feels like, so like this is my protege and if he feels protective over his work, he might start feeling protective about everything he produces, even stuff for other artists. Yeah. <laughs> like, so he might sort of start getting the same sort of feel, which might rub some people the wrong way, especially the other artists because they're like, okay, I hired you to be a producer, not be the creative, <laughs> you know, artistic brain behind my operation yeah you know like that like i can see what and a lot of times and this is just like in any creative field in general when you have two minds mixing even ones who might agree on a particular style you're gonna run into conflict really easy oh, yeah. and this is why you know when you're in a band with somebody <laughs> and he doesn't have to deal with this because his band is essentially him yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nine inch nails has one key member yeah all the other ones are kind of interchangeable like people will go on concerts and tour with him to play the instruments oh yeah so he's the only consistent member but I mean like in other bands like you a lot of times they fall apart and they break up because they're gonna there will be creative differences there is usually one person that takes the lead when it comes to creative decisions and it just it works fine if the other people remain passive about it if they just don't care, like they're like, fine, this is just not, I'm just going to do my part and I deal with it. Yeah. Uh, it's rare that I see any band work out where it's sort of like everybody has an equal say in everything creatively. Usually there's a leading force behind, <laughs> behind all of that. Just my experience from what I've seen. Like, yeah. and uh, whether or not you like the bands aren't democracies for the most part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're usually like they, let's say some form of autocratic rule is happening. There's a, usually somebody has a stronger personality than, every, and, than anybody else. And the others are just sort of following along with that. Yeah. You know, and it can tear up a bit. I'm pretty damn sure Guns N' Roses broke apart because Axl Rose is a, he's a shitty leader and kind of a shitty musician. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, yeah. my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a shitty leader and a shitty... Like, he might have some of that uh, in, like, dominance that worked for a while, but eventually everybody else just started... Yeah, they pushed everybody they away. And it, and it happens to a lot of bands. Now, Trent, again, Trent doesn't have to deal with that. Because he's... Yeah, he <laughs> Cause it's has just a new him. batch of <laughs> like, So that's why I was always so interested, like, in Nine Inch Nails, like, uh, just logistically how that works out so yeah. wonderfully for him, where it's like... He doesn't have to consult with anybody when it comes to that. Now, yeah. there are times when he does have to consult with stuff like the record labels. That's where he came into conflict. Like, uh, I mean, let's just talk about his big split with Interscope for a while. And he had in the, his own indie label. Yeah. And now he's again with the mainstream label, Columbia Records. The reason he said is while he enjoys having the creative control and all of that, everything that comes along with that, when it comes to marketing, it is so much easier to have a label. Yeah, yeah. when you have a bag, a big, I mean, like as far as like just promotion, you, just easier. to get, yeah, just to get your name out there, just to get a, yeah. all the promotional things out there. But I mean, it's so much easier to have a label. That's the thing is, even if you become, you know, a bigger musician, a known artist like mm -hmm. Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor, if you have your own label like Nothing Records, it's like you're there everything to do with it, but it's your business you have to take care of so yeah marketing if you don't have the backers or the, the people then you that's something mm -hmm. you have to go out and hire people and just deal with and it's more people to deal with and if that's not what you do you know you're a musician you're a producer it's just what you focus on it's kind of you know it's it takes away from that creative process 
So it is always good to have a, a <clears throat> bigger name or bigger label uh, behind you to do well, a whole to do adjustment to just you know, do ju- that no, no, it's good to have just a bigger label behind you just to do that alone. I mean, if they do absolutely nothing else but just to have the department to do all the the you know promotional stuff, and you have a team of lawyers that you know you can call mm-hmm. on if you have to. And it's nothing that you really have to worry about. It's like, okay, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. You know, it's a subgroup to your label at the moment or whatever it is. You know, we'll go from there and, you know, I do something, you guys promote it. So I don't have to go out of my way, you know, and, you know, take time away from the creative process Mm -hmm. to, you know, do this marketing or do this legal mumbo jumbo and all this other stuff. So, yeah. it's It's a funny thing because... The sort of let's the sort of crowds we would, I mean, like the indie scene and the indie labels are heavily glamorized and promoted. Like you got to be indie, you go indie. That's how you yeah. stay true. You keep your heart. But in a lot of you know, like you, and we've done it ourselves. You know, like you shit on you know, like all negative aspects that come along with having a yeah, yeah, mainstream yeah. label backing you. But there are clearly benefits that come yeah. along with that. And, the, and uh, the thing is, like, when you expect all the positive and none the negatives, you're being a little bit unrealistic because the labels have their end goals too. Yeah, it's to make money, so they they will micromanage you yeah, a bit the, in order to get to that end goal. The, the thing yeah. is, indie labels nowadays aren't really indie; they're smaller subset of a bigger group, and it's just they say they're an independent label, but they have. You know, mm-hmm. you know, bigger backers. They have a bigger label that's you know owns them. They just don't really yeah go they, with them. They're like a subsidiary. Yeah, of a, and it's like oh uh, yeah, and it was indie, indie label here and there. It's like yeah, but if you follow them back, they're like you know connected to Sony Records okay. or something. Yeah, truly independent label is like there's a group of people that have a band and they just everything that they put out they put under. A name that they made up yeah, <laughs> for, it's, it's for like, themselves, and they're just putting it out these days out through social media. I mean, like you, if you want yeah. like the purest of the pure, yeah, it, it's like labels. what I have. You know, yeah, Bad Year Records. Bad Year Records. That's, a, that's a truly independent. Yeah, you're not backed label. by anybody. I'm not backed by anybody. <laughs> that's why you don't hear it out in the yeah, but you know whatever. Like it's, that, it's, but it's you will. The problem is that's what I have. If you're that low on that level, like if you define indie that strictly, which is what. The industry doesn't define indie that strictly. They would call those subsidiary or subsidiary of a bigger yeah, yeah. label an indie label because it's not, it's like a, there's a middleman between them and the other guys. Like it's yeah. not directly linked to it. Yeah. So like they would, as far as like what they would call something like Bad Year Records or anything else, it's like so far out there. Like it's so small of a thing, not to insult you or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like, no. A, like a, you're drowned out by all the other ones. Watch it now. <laughs> My label here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Like, you get drawn on. I mean, like, the same thing if, when you... If it wasn't for my label, this podcast wouldn't be happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it was... I'm pretty sure it's the mix and the mics <laughs> that are making that Shut really possible. Shut up. Yeah, you, you, you can thank uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Yeah. Which is Google, which is a corporation. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so... But because uh, it would suck to have to put these all on CD and mail it out to random people. Oh, but you got like you're like the guy. Remember, <laughs> I don't know if they still do that. Like they in the neighborhoods I live, there's usually a guy like in a 
in Houston, they always did this, the stop and go, which is Houston's answer to the 7-Elevens, which you don't have there. Yeah. <laughs> like, there always some guy with like a burnt CD that used to be like, you know, that was like, hey man, check this out. You know, like, take a look at it. You can look at my GeoCity site. <laughs> yeah. I know GeoCity doesn't exist anymore, but yeah, yeah in the yeah, early yeah. 2000s, they were like, yeah, go to my GeoCity site, geocities.com, backlash, <laughs> like, backslash, uh, uh, the funk man, backlash. <laughs> Yeah, six seven nine ten nine dot com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, those were always fun. Yeah, yeah. You, you so, take so it, you take it just to get him to go away, and then it's like you get the disc, and like it skips like crazy. <laughs> you, and you throw it away or whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. You or you burn over it if it's rewritable. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the point I was trying to make is like, look, it's like being in a garage band. <laughs> And uh, trying to get like a, and playing like maybe you get like some two minute spot in some dive bar somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, as a, and compare you, and compare to like even uh, you know a lot of people say like an indie band like Pennywise or something. Yeah, they're indie. Uh, yeah. But they're a lot more well known than any of the no names. Oh yeah, that are yeah. out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing is, I mean, with so label it's, labels, it's a, a big help label is what help. I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, having like, having a label that has backing helps you get heard. You know, things like that. And I mean, it, it sucks, I guess, uh, cause there's so many horror, horror stories out there of like indie label or not indie label, but big label screwing, uh, bands over because they're just not relevant anymore or whatever. And then they, you know, hear those, whatever, you know, the horror stories like, oh, these, this label sucks. You should never go with them. You know, don't go with big labels because of, you know, whatever. And it's, yeah. But there's also a crap load of indie labels or, you know, independent people that we've never heard of them because it gets no further than their garage. Yeah. You know? Or their YouTube channel. Or YouTube, yes. But that's the thing is, I mean, like Trent Reznor, he started off with his own little thing, kind of, you know, got heard and produced his one thing, probably found an indie label, got bigger into a bigger well, label. Well, I mean, he was been into school pretty quickly Yeah, when he started out. Yeah, but I mean, he started off kind of, you know, yeah, but he, he got big you know, in that sense and that you know it, it's a sound and everything helped him out and everything yeah. else and what helped him he also he worked within the music yeah. industry you know, in yeah. a sense tangentially but he was in it yeah yeah so he, it's not he like worked, he didn't yeah. know anybody yeah but that's I mean he, he had to branch out that way and yes and then he had if you're your problems with your major labels and you go to independent and now he's like well I'll go back with the major label but that's just because but with a different uh, one because uh, the yeah. other guys suck <laughs> yeah no but it's a you know but there's a different reason for it it's just because he wants to spend more time doing his music thing and yeah. not the business aspect of it which you know yeah makes sense I mean it makes sense yeah, but and that's that- that's the thing is it's you know he's such a talented guy like you know musician mm-hmm. producer all that that you you know don't really want him to like. Okay, well, no, focus just on the business side of it. You know, mm-hmm. and look, and the bigger the bigger you get, the more the business side and the marketing side takes a front seat. Yeah, or an equal amount of share of your time because the bigger you are, the more you have to concern yourself with all that because you have more money flowing in and out into everything that you're doing. Yeah, and so you need to keep track of that. The smaller you are, the less you really have to think about that. You know, it's like. Well, if you're like really small, like garage level small, it's like the posters you spend in Kinko's is what it used to be. Or the amount of time you spend on Twitter or social media, I guess yeah, yeah, it's yeah, equivalent yeah, you, now. You, I'm still stuck in my own time. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's the the time you spent, you know, painting every little sign, you know, it, with, you know, 
by hand or well, write it out with a marker. It's Photoshop. No, no, no. no. Days, I'm just, talking about old school. It's this well, yeah, back in the day. When we but like, it's the time you spent doing that, and then you, you sell it every back freaking, you know, every uh, uh, you know light post you can get to, and you staple it onto the thing, saying a show coming up at whatever place, and you try to gather people, and you have a little secret show. Or yeah, and whatever. it's like six you people know, stuff show like up. that. <laughs> and you and you enjoy the ten seconds of chaos that you have. Yeah. You know, but yeah, but that's a whole different thing. That's independent. That's truly independent compared to the well. Know, that, and that's the thing. 30, and that's the thing that gets. Dollars, and that's the know, thing that gets glamour. Fans. And that's the thing that gets glamorous. And what's disheartening, though, in this whole story is, uh, if Nine Inch Nails, which was already huge, yeah, at the point when he had that issue with Interscope and broke apart and did his own thing and had trouble with that, if someone like Nine Inch Nails, with you know all the fame that he already has couldn't like still had issues with that man is that disheartening to the smaller guy oh yeah <laughs> like as far as like because if he with all the resources that he has had yeah. trouble making it work yeah man you're gonna have a hard time yeah but that's that's and a, being that's as meticulous a talent if, as he is too if you focus on like if like trent he's a musician when he does this producing thing he does producing but he's a musician. That's what he does. He, you don't want to spend your time away from cr- the creative process when you're having to, you know, run the business of, you know, meetings and, and, you know, merchandising and all that stuff. And you're just like, well, this is not dealing with what I need to do. I need to get out the new music. I have stuff in my head. You know, you're taking away from it. So that's the whole thing is I think the big problem there with anyone running their own label who's a bigger band. You know, when you're independent and you're on your own, then yeah. I mean, you go into the studio or you record when you can. When you're inspired, you do your thing. You're not like on a schedule. And then from there, you're like, okay, well, you know, Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, you know, go to any bar you can. It's like, hey, man, let me, you know, I got a band. Let's kind of play. Give you a little quick, you know, whatever, you know, this and that. Or here, I, have, I know, you know, I see you guys having a show coming up. Can I jump on as like your opening act? You know, things like that. That's just what you do until you get bigger or known or heard or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's the, it's the life of the independent and the smaller groups and stuff it's, like that. When you get bigger, like Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor, you have to deal with everyone saying, hey, when's your next album? Hey, when's your next album? Hey, when's this? What's this doing? Here's the thing. We need you to produce right. this, do that. Do that. And you have all these people and you're like, well... Screw that. I just want to go do my thing well, to have someone else take care of yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean, he he famously, <laughs> pub and possibly, I mean, the stress also yeah. went along with this. And maybe just his, his sort of uh, obsessive personality and perfectionist. I mean, he had substance abuse issues and all that through a time period when he went through all that. Yeah. Uh, you know, when all this was like crashing in the middle of his career when he was sort of like the top of his fame and he had to step away from it for a while. Yeah. And just because it was, uh, you know, I think... Probably because it was getting a little too intense. I think I've heard him comment on it, although he doesn't really want to talk about it as much anymore these days because, you know, you probably kind of get tired of repeating the same damn stories. Oh, yeah. So now that we've laid out all this much, uh, I want to talk about a more serious music-wise criticism that people will throw up. And I think it's one that, you know, deserves some level of consideration. So even though when he first came out, the sound was risky and new and innovative, like a sort of in a way, help define certain aspects of the alternative genre. Since it's come out, he hasn't updated 
much of his sound. Yeah. And so, like, even though, like, he's played around when he does other things, like, you know, whether he's helping, you know, do branching into a little bit of hip-hop here, whether he's in, like, helping another artist to put together something over there or doing a music score or something like, I mean, yeah. a movie score, the Nine Inch Nails releases album after album after album are really different variations of the same sound and but and not much of a different variation yeah. it's one big album dawning all the way back to the beginning one we already mentioned pretty hate machine yeah do you do you think that's a legitimate point to be made do you think that it's a criticism do you think it's even it doesn't matter as a criticism it's something you? we've discussed quite a few times in a couple different podcasts yeah we mentioned you, know, right you need to you know as a artist you should evolve you know to mm-hmm. something but don't try to go completely away from what your fans know mm-hmm. you know don't be like you know I don't even know there's too many damn bands like Metallica you know the <laughs> but, bunch, yeah. of, bunch of freaking bad example bad, no 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 really just they're horrible they're a bad bad freaking band each and every one of them are assholes they're all money grubbers and, and all that but they changed their sound yeah. from what they used to sound the like black album it, in the black album and all that they Absolutely. changed their sound and now you you listen to lost fans. like yeah no that but i mean you you listen to their older stuff back in the 80s black album before the black album whatever all that and then you listen Rest to like, puppets, like uh yeah you, you listen to like reloaded which was like fans didn't want to download it cuz it was horrible saint anger you know, saint anger all that they changed their sound the singer started singing different. They got a new bassist to, you know, change the whole sound of the band, things like that. I hate the band. You know, if anyone's heard for this podcast, for those of you who are not aware, they would know. Oh, hold on, for those of you who are not aware, it is your personal thing. We have a Saints of Last Night drinking game. There are two things that happen when Brian starts going on about how much Metallica sucks. You take a shot, and also when he starts talking about how much he hates Donald Trump, you take a shot. It has to happen organically. You yes. can't shoehorn it into a conversation. So right now. <laughs> Take a shot. Yes. Okay, but like, like I said, so yes, they try to change their sound, get fans, lose fans, whatever. And they, I think they just sucked in general as it is. So they didn't have to change anything. But Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, he started off with this pretty hate machine, same sound. Mm-hmm. He's evolved it slightly, but he hasn't done like a really big change. I mean, there's some songs um, that... I don't think sound like the typical Nine Inch Nails song, but yet works for the album that does, like fit in the, the same sound. Like if you listen to one album all the way through, or just a couple different albums all the way through, you'll find a few songs in each album that are slightly different or just completely different than the, the sound you're used to. But they're not as well known, like, you know, they're not major hits in a sense, because it's just not what people expect from Nine Inch Nails. You know, so that's the thing is he's he's evolved enough to in his sound to where it's not noticeable to be a big difference from like you know Saint you know, or what is it the uh, Master Puppets and you know Reloaded mm-hmm. Metallica you know two there's completely different sounds completely different things like ugh, going into corn they started off you know kind of that. You know, more of a rock thing had a little bit of rap in there, and then they did the, the you know, new metal called? face. New metal face. Well, they did really like oh, later they on. They really it. messed with it. They uh, the 
song I hate, Twisted Transistor. Really hate it. You know, whatever. Dirty Open Door, that album. Yeah. That album. yeah. I really hate that. But anyways. And then, the and, then, and, then they, and then they messed around. They did a dubstep thing. I personally like it. Not a lot of people do, I don't think. I just don't like dubstep. But I, I kind of, they really got a little bit heavier. They added the dubstep feel to it and stuff. And they've changed completely. But then they still have their old sound too. So they've kind of evolved both. You know? and, so they have that little thing. But that's the thing is Nine Inch Nails. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that or not. But I think they have evolved slightly throughout the years enough to have kind of the same sound. But still be, you know, different. Well, two things for me. Now, one, it's it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Because if you don't evolve your sound through the years, then you become stale. You're boring. You're one trick pony. If you if you do evolve your sound, uh, or change it up, or mix it up, or try to be risky with it. Then you sell out who's trying, especially if it becomes even a little bit popular, then you sell out or you, you can't reproduce what, what you did last time. You know, Manson. it was, it was a one off. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of the problem. So it's like you, you'll never satisfy everybody with it. Yeah. Now, in, in some ways, like, or, or yeah, you like get the, it's you, a weird balance to hit because sometimes it's a very fine line. Yeah. Or you get the, the, the change, but it's not a bad change. Just people don't like it. Black Flag. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Black Flag, it's not much. It's the band, mm. like, the rock sound, I think, is as good as the punk sound. Yeah. But the punk fans, and I've said this before, and I'll we say it, it the most conservative, conformist, non-conformist of people in the punk scene. And I say that as someone who was in the punk scene. Yes. Like, the most rigid do not t- get off my lawn <laughs> people yeah. even though they hate that mentality of people in the punk because they just any anything they celebrate the non-conformity to the point where it's like dogma <laughs> yeah and anything that goes differently or it trusts and true a little bit in it they sort of attack <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the inquisition so that <laughs> and that's one reason why I sort of why I started stepping yeah, away yeah, from because yeah. I started seeing that yeah. so I think that's why punk is a whole different animal yeah, when it yeah. comes to these sort of conversations but yeah but uh going back to my point like it's a very odd balance to hit where you're gonna you're gonna lose look you're gonna lose people in general at some point people's tastes also change over time you know the stuff you find interesting at 18 you might not like at 38 even if the musician is still around you know maybe you like Danish channels when you were 18 you know by the time you hit 42 you're like Okay, it's just not my jam anymore. Yeah. I, just, I can't relate to this anymore. Like, yeah. it's, I think Limbiscuit probably suffered a lot of that. A lot of their, so like, uh, the younger teenage angst people kind of grew up and got jobs. They're like, okay, I can't relate to this anymore. So yeah. I'm going to move on. And they didn't get any new fans after that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, uh, the second point I was trying to make is, you know, aside of the damn if you do, damn if you don't. So you, I don't think you should worry too much about that. As far as like changing up your sound, if you're going to stay relevant in some ways, you're going to change your sound no matter what. Now, I think with Nine Inch Nails, though, the change that we might be hearing could be that he's gotten better at making music. Yeah. So it sounds cleaner. Yeah. It sounds better. Of course, the equipment also got better. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it's it's just he's, you know... When you do something long enough, you get a certain neck of what works, what doesn't. You, the trial and error you went through to the first few albums, you sort of polish up a cleanup. And I think his later albums are a lot 
cleaner in that sense. Yeah. Where, you know, like in the first one, you see that is one-off tracks. It's you could tell it's his music, but they don't really flow like the other ones. You know, like you got yeah. three tracks that really flow together. Then there's one like okay, he's trying something new here. Whereas later on. It's much more well choreographed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, at least I feel. Yeah. Like uh, where the tracks are sort of flowing into each other better. So I think yeah. he's just getting the change and evolution you see is just him getting better at it. Yeah. But now he's found a niche that he fits into. Yeah. And it works and it still sells and he still has fans. I'm still a fan. You know, yeah. and I can, I think I don't think it's an insult for me to recognize that he has a distinct sound and he stays to that sound. But I think that it's appealing enough, melodic enough, intriguing enough that I, I don't really want him to change it yeah. to the point. Like, I don't want him to do something totally different because it would no longer be Nine Inch Nails. And I'm not trying to be a purist where I'm like, oh, how dare you change the music I loved as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, it would no longer be what he does. Like, I would be suspicious of it yeah. in some but sense. Here, here's the thing. is Like I said, he's, he's evolved slightly throughout his whole career. Mm-hmm. If you listen to, you know, Pretty Hate Machine, The Downward Spiral, Further Down the you know, Spiral, yeah, Broken, all those stuff, and everything. Uh, you listen to all those, it's more aggressive. I think it, it's a little more aggressive. He has more to say in that sense, a little more, you know, against authority in a sense. Not really, but, you know, that type of thing. And then you listen to uh, Hesitation Mark and you go a little bit, there's more, uh, you know, all the recent stuff. I think it's actually more mellow. I think he's mellowed out quite a bit. With his his sound, it's mm-hmm. and that's the thing is he went for that more really aggressive kind of has that same feel still to this day, but he went from that really aggressive to the more it's mellow sound. stuff. So it's more like you know he's aged and you can tell. Sure, yeah, it's more mature. It's more mature. whatever. So it, it it works with the with the ages. Like as a young, you're you're young adult or you're just young. You're like really aggressive. Like yeah, you know, in your face. Fuck it. And then you get older and you're like, yeah, no, just be a little mellow out a little bit. I understand it, but nah, just mellow a little bit more. Fuck authority with a lowercase F. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the thing is Nine Inch Nails is, you know, he's doing that. Trent Reznor, (laughs) you know, if you go from his very first album to his latest one, You'll see it more aggressive and kind of gets you know softer along the way, but it's not like completely softness. He does mm-hmm. still have some of those tracks in there that are you know a little more aggressive, a little more you know to, you know in your face in a, in a sense. You know, not not to be like oh no, it's like punk. You know, punk in your face. No, it's just like yeah, it's more yeah. You know, and that's and this is where, in your face. And that's still, also like this is like <laughs> so like it had a big influence in defining alternative because like so like alternative, you know, everything from freaking sublime. To Limbiscuit, to Fred Durst, <laughs> to Oasis. They were all lumped into alternative at one point. Yeah. They don't sound the same. Yeah. yeah Whereas yeah. like Nine Inch Nails, distinctly, if you're going to describe this one thing, you know, you can say industrial rock, you can say whatever, but alternative kind of covers yeah. it really yeah. well to, in like a, to lump it all in there. Yeah. In like a, and uh, that's why like we'll probably have a, its own topic at some point like I think the 90s was the golden age for this kind of music and it was the golden age of music in general you know for all the old timers who keep saying that the 70s and the 60s had the best music I think they were all just way too stoned <laughs> to notice what came afterwards yeah because <laughs> uh, people like to shit on our millennial generation when it comes to musical taste <laughs> yeah but anyway like uh, it, it's just uh I think it's it's just an it's an interesting debate when it comes to like the whole versatility thing and the change. Uh, 
this thing where people are like, like, well, I want my artists to be, you know, like to remain the artists that I knew, but I want the artists to also, you know, give me something new and challenge me a little bit. But, and I'm, I don't know how honest either crowd is really with the position that they have because you will walk away from an artist that you feel got stale. Yeah. And, but you will also turn away from an artist that you feel becomes a different person every yeah, single yeah, album because yeah, yeah. you can't keep track completely. of that. Like yeah. if, uh, you know, if uh, Insane Clown Posse suddenly came out with a poker <laughs> album, I, I'm pretty sure their I, parents I think their will family be, will follow. <laughs> they'll follow all the They'll abandon the... What if they abandon the makeup when they do it? I don't know. They may or may not follow on that one. Well, Kiss took off the makeup for a while. And everyone hated it. <laughs> they no, put it back on. Do you only want to look at Gene Simmons without his makeup on? Yeah. I mean, he's, no. not a, he's not a good looking guy. No, he's not. In fact, none of them really. That's but, a you know, they, they, didn't get, they didn't get known for their looks. They got known for their... Shitty disco for, music? For their disco music. The shitty disco music? Yeah. Look, they got known for... It was the image. And this is, I think, our very first topic on this podcast ever. Image versus musicianship. Other than, I want to work and all, all night and party every day. Which is the only thing anyone knows about. Because name any other song. Name one other song. Yeah, and I know people might be googling this, and they're gonna be like, no, "Oh, I, this, this is no, no, no." The average listener name one other song yeah. that you know about. Kids just saw the top of your head. You probably don't without googling it. But that's the thing is, if you grew up, it's at the, the time. Image. You know the image. If you grew up at the time, you would know some songs. I don't even think they you know they, the yeah, time, that's the you thing. They would know some songs if you're around the same time that you know they were big, re- relevant. Now, yeah, and it was like. What, who did that song? Who were they? The thing that lasted Hello? was the image. They had a very memorable image. Yeah. Now, the thing about... Uh, a in, kid and a cat. Yeah. In contrast to Nine Inch Nails, is like a lot of people, they might not even know what the hell Trent looks like. <laughs> yeah. But you know the sound. It's the sound that you recognize. I think that's yeah. a different when uh, people ask like when customer musicianship, well, how do I you know, tell, distinguish between talent to somebody that just sort of is famous, yeah. a famous musician? It's image versus sound. If I can recognize your music without even seeing you, that's musicianship to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I just know you by look alone, but your song sounds interchangeable with everything else, not yeah. interchangeable with the other songs you made, but interchangeable with like anything else that comes out on the radio, that's when, in my opinion, you need to step up your game a little bit. Yeah. And like, not that you have to, I don't care whether you do or not, but like, just in order for me to elevate you in my opinion yeah whether you but that care means, about that's, it or not that's the thing there is that that problem with the image versus the actual musicianship uh you know the the sound um you go back to manson started off his image yeah. you know that's what everyone's so, it was, it's a shock rock you see him he's like oh that's manson but you hear his music and you're like oh that's manson you know well, he's and an to interesting this day because it's still kind of the same he has well he's somebody who's sort of balance like in some sense like he balanced it too like he mixed the sound with whatever image he had at the time even mechanical animals which you know isn't popular yeah. amongst manson fans the image he produced for it though was mm-hmm. very iconic and memorable to the sound that he yeah. produced yeah so like it was a visually artistically it was a good mishmash whatever yeah. you might think of the songs themselves yeah. uh so like it but for a lot of musicians sound like nirvana had a very distinct sound yeah and you know, like originally the image didn't matter, but eventually the image also became something iconic and influential. Yeah. And I think a lot of ways, Kurt Cobain, I mean, you might disagree with me, 
dislike that. Yes. When the image started sort of overtake, overtaking the sound, yeah. uh, he sort of had a hostile reaction to that. Yeah, that, that, that's one thing that I think is kind of like weird. It's been debated, you know, people say it was like, no, he didn't actually hate the fact that people liked his music and, and that he became famous. It's just, you know, it's an image that he gave. And it was like, I think he actually did kind of dislike the fact of being famous because it brought things that he didn't want, like things he didn't expect. Everyone wants to be famous. That's the thing. I no think originally he I, would I, want to. I mean, he was probably the thing is, wanted it. No, no matter course. who you are and how much you may say you don't want to be famous, you want to be famous. You want to be known. You want to get the, the you know, the knowledge and the, uh, the acknowledgement, not knowledge, because not really being famous knows knowledge or anything, but the acknowledgement of, of whatever you're doing and, you, you know, the fame, the, the money, you know, all that stuff. You want that. Everyone wants it. It's just when you get it, most people will be like, oh, never mind. That's too much stress. There's a negative And, and so that's the thing is I think that's what it was is, you know, Kurt wanted to be famous known. Like he wanted his music to be known. But him himself, I don't think he wanted the fame and I that spotlight. He just wanted, like, as a group, uh, the band and, and his, once, his, his sound. I think once he got there, it became overwhelming for him, especially with all his inner demons and all the uh, yeah. personal addictions and everything else that he had yeah, going yeah. on. It probably became eventually more than he can hand, yeah. handle. But that's, a, that's uh, the thing. is I, I, it, Like I said, it, it's been debated. You know, I've heard right. people debate I on think it. to some extent, though, of course, uh, at first, you know, like he wanted to be get signed on to a label he wanted to yeah but you know like I mean if you read the, the diary he had mm-hmm. it's like oh we're having a meeting with this guy oh well this guy didn't work or well, whatever yeah and then we'd write angry notes saying like look just tell us whether we can be in your label or not or tell us to fuck off so we can go somewhere else yeah and like so he was they were shopping around you know, and of course look anyone who tells me if you're trying to get into an artistic field you can become an accountant and you can play your music in your basement and just for yourself and no one ever has to hear it you have your music you know, to but that's you really not wanting to be famous and not. Yeah. Know. Same thing with painting. You can paint in your garage and just go, you know, work an office job. Like, and no one will ever know you have it for yourself. Yeah. That's really, if you, if that's all you care about, that's what you would do. And that's what a lot of people do. Yeah. The people who step out and try to make a living off of it and yeah, a career yeah, yeah. off of it, of course, you want some acknowledgement. Yeah. But with, <laughs> in it, you want some at least recognition within an issue. You want to make a mark for yourself. Yeah. And you want to make a living off, off it, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. And that's, that's the thing. Is Like I said, I think, and I personally think, everyone wants to be famous, but not in that same sense. Like, they just want to have the acknowledgement of, on mm-hmm. something, anything. But not necessarily, it's like, oh, they want all the fame and fortune and blah, 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 and the stress and all that. Like I said, you know, be, you, know you want to become an accountant and you want to be, you know, play your own music in your in your whatever but as an accountant you want to be known because you're as getting a, your business you don't want to be just some joe schmoes like oh well, oh there's an accountant oh there's another accountant you know it's like no be, you want to go to this person because you know they'll take care of you and i'm not saying famous and it's like oh lights and fame and like everyone knows you it's famous in a sense is just being known look nobody you know? within yeah within the within a small circle that you're working with nobody even I mean everyone knows the mediocre worker everyone knows yeah nobody strives to be the mediocre worker yeah. everybody wants to be some base level competent yeah at what they do and everyone feels good when they get some level of recognition now yeah, yeah. of course you know there are varying levels of success and varying levels of competence and like we can 
get into that everyone knows the worker that's just not good at yes. their job and you might be that guy <laughs> yeah. some, in some sense you know if, if you're listening with it and but a lot of times you don't recognize whether you're the guy or not I mean, yeah. yeah again because i don't i really don't think anyone wakes up and says well i'm gonna be really mediocre and incompetent yeah. today and the people who do recognize that are usually the ones who fall into deep depression oh, <laughs> yeah. where, where their life is uh, has gone but that's why like uh with something like uh music or trying to creative thing like it's it's risky to put yourself out there because it's one thing to be an accountant and uh, your schooling and uh you know just uh, the recognition you get come is sort of what what backs up your work you know you go you have a calculator you go through the numbers and the numbers are the same you're working with something really objective yeah when you're doing something art- artistic when you're doing uh, music when you're doing painting but let's just stick with music at the moment uh you're putting something out there yep. and it's vulnerable in some ways because you're putting something out there that you made and people are going to like it. People are going to hate it. People are going to be indifferent to it. Yeah. You want more people to like it than uh, hate it, but you definitely don't want people to be indifferent to it. You know, like even if you want more people hating it than you want people to be indifferent to it, because yeah. if you're indifferent, you're going to be forgotten much quicker. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's a, it's a much more delicate thing to go into in, in some ways it's a it's a brave thing to pursue i know a lot of people who get into this field are so seen as you're a slacker you don't want to get a real job the ones who become successful put a lot of work into it i mean trent oh, yeah. is a testament to that oh, especially because yeah. he does so much on yeah. his own as Let- far as that goes and i'm not saying there aren't sl- slackers and loafers and mooches oh, who, yeah, yeah. who are in there you know the guy that perpetually sleeps on your couch and all he's like i got a gig that's coming up and then like and a gig is never false yeah, 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 like, yeah. and they refuse to get a real you know, yeah an yeah, actual yeah. date job yeah they they don't bring in a check right. but i said like to the people who sit down and do this i think some level of recognition should be made about the fact they're doing something that they love and they're gonna they they're putting themselves out there yeah. in a way that a lot of people don't want to. A lot of people, you play it safe by taking you know, the day job and then that's yeah. it. And, that, the, and you live a, going, as going, comfortable life as you can. Going with that and saying, you know, doing the thing you love. I mean, as you stated before, you know, Trent has a, a moniker or whatever being hard to work with. Mm-hmm. And that's because he's doing something he loves. You know, he takes he, it serious. He's, he's, he, yeah, he takes it real serious. He knows what he... You know what he you know wants to do. He knows the sound. He knows all that stuff. He already has it in his head. If you try to give him a suggestion, he may or may not take it. You yeah. know, he's like, "Well, no, that's not the sound. That's not the the way we're trying to go." You know, that's why he's hard to work with because he's stubborn in the sense of of like he wants to go in the way he already has it in his head, which is what a lot of musicians do. I mean, you have those musicians that are just assholes. You know, want to have a party and and do all that stuff, and just that's it. They don't want, you know, they're not taking it serious. They just want the, the fame, fortune, girls, drugs, well, you know, well, that I mean, stuff. And also what you were touching on, there's a difference, I think, between having a vision yeah. and being passionate about it yeah. and being a hardhead when it comes to yeah. things. Like if you, uh, if you refuse to listen to where things are, you know, the direction the music is taking, like all the people... Let's go back to glam. All the people that still thought they could make glam work in 1990 oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when it was clearly dying... Uh, they just weren't listening. Yeah. To where the, now with something like Trend, they might say like, well, you know, like his music uh, has remained relatively the same. Yeah, but the output, uh, I mean, the interest is still there for that kind of music. Yeah. It's like the audience hasn't left. And in fact, since it's 
since it spawned such a wide, you know, alternative industrial rock uh, genre, you know, later on that still come, you know, produces bands to this day that start out yeah. trying to emulate that sound. It just shows that it has a lasting uh, capacity in a way. Like, so why why would you want to turn your back to that whole community that enjoys that music? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and that's that would be. I think uh, that's one thing that people need to address the ones who sort of go down as criticism. And again, I don't want to dismiss this criticism because I think it's an interesting one that people bring up. So I'm not totally dismissing it. I'm not trying to, you know, like beat it down or anything. But I think there's something to be said about uh, understanding that uh, once a community forms that enjoys the music that you're putting out, yeah, you do feel a sense of responsibility to give them, you know, what they like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, to continue to give it, because there will be imitations of you. And there are many Nine Inch Nails imitations that try to emulate the sound that fail. And if you don't give them the real, you know, like if Chant doesn't produce the authentic Nine Inch Nails sounds, they're going to get it from bands that are not as good. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. Gonna, they might be turned off from it completely. Yeah. But, that, I mean, that's the other thing is, I mean, I think, you know, Trent did, a good job in showing the versatility he can do without putting it under the the one band like Nine Inch Nails. I mean, we talked about it earlier that he did uh, like a social network. He actually won a, what is it, the Grammy or whatever for that, you know, for that thing. It's what he did. And it wasn't the same sound as what normally is. Right. And you know, I mean, at least, he, at least from my understanding, because I personally have never seen it, so I don't have really have heard any of the music. I mean, I've but seen I've been it, told that I've seen it, but uh, yeah, the the music was the score was very good. It was very subtle and it flowed very well. Yeah, and with so the, that's like the thing. you don't even, in some sense, like once it's pointed out, you notice about it. Like, yeah, it, it, but that's just that's, watching, that's you know. the thing is, I mean, he he showed a different aspect um, on his musicianship, and he did that. You know, same for um, the other mo- movie you mentioned, Congo. Uh, Huh? Gone Girl? Gone Girl, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. again very subtle kind of kind of thing to it. And he's done other things. He has a band with his wife that yeah. is nine inch nails. Yeah. Like, but it, see the thing is that sounds I've heard some of their nine stuff. Inch it's kinda of, it's kinda of close to it. But yeah, that's the thing, is it's it's a different sound. But he did you know show a different in versatility in doing that and not um like you know Giving fans, it didn't with package to, the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, but he he didn't give fans something to be pissed off on it as a Nine Inch Nails album. It was like, oh, Trent Reznor did this, then here's Nine Inch Nails. You know, two it's, separate. It, it complete, remains its own entity. Yeah, complete separate entities, and so that's the one thing I think he, as some musicians, will do, and get away with it. And some were just too stuck. They're like, no, this is the band. We're going to do this sound now. I was like, yeah, no, completely different than what your normal stuff is. Don't do it. Well, like if you go going into um, just completely different uh, artist, mm-hmm. um, as I lay dying, you know, they're really heavy, heavy stuff. And then they did the uh, well, not the the singer actually did an off thing, his own thing, which is still heavy, but it's more of a comical thing. Is the the Austrian death metal or whatever, which is uh, aren't you know. Making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation, yeah, yeah, and so it's a whole different thing, and it's not like, oh no, this is as I lay dying, doing this. It's mm-hmm. no, they're their own entity. It's the same sound because I mean, he's not going to go from like heavy to like pop music. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, there's a, you can also see like a, 
There are times when uh, fans are more accepting, like when the members of Slipknot went on and did a Stone Sour. And yeah, all they that. did a different sound too than Slipknot. And yeah, but it's not all think, a Slipknot. But yeah, it's not all a Slipknot. But okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I understand it. The fans of Slipknot kind of accepted it, but I think the part of the reason, like, it wasn't uh, introduced to them as okay, this is Slipknot now doing this. Yeah, <laughs> it was very much made clear. Yeah, it's Stone Sour. <laughs> like it's its own thing. Like you know, like I'm trying something new here, guys. Yeah, it's something different, but they were accepting of it. Yeah, and but that's the thing is that go oh, well. Why did you guys do it? It's like, well, this is the band I was in for the most part. I'm sure before it's it like this is the band that I had before we got together and did Slipknot. We got different members. This is what we did for Slipknot. This is what we we was what I was doing before we got big and famous or whatever. It's our side projects, things like that, you know. And so, yeah, two, they both made it big, and it's like, oh, that's Stone Sour. It's Slipknot. Masks, no masks, you know. Mm-hmm. But even going into something completely different, um, I actually recently saw a, I guess it was an interview uh, with, um, oh, what the hell is his name? Darius, whatever, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was talking about it. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, as with, I was selling out arenas with Hootie and the Blowfish, you know, with Hootie, as he said it. You know, and doing stuff. And then when he went into his new genre, his doing as a solo actor, whatever, being country, he was like, yeah, I would, I would remember um, selling out a, sh- a show. And then, you know, the you know my very last show was with 100,000 fans. And the next day I did a show. It was in a bar. You know, it was myself. And it was a whole different experience. It's something, you know, that... I hadn't seen or felt in a long time and it was you know renewing and it was energizing and stuff like that mm-hmm. and he started from the bottom and he was appreciative of the fact that it was a whole different sound no one expected him to sound like hootie and the blowfish you know because that's a completely different sound mm-hmm. from whatever the hell genre they were i guess alternative <laughs> and, <laughs> Hello, and country Mellow frat boy. <laughs> yeah, and country. And it's a completely different sound. But he was he was talking about that. You know, it was like it's two different things and he wanted it to be known as like I'm not this one, I'm Darius, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. country singer. And he was you know, he was talking about that and he was saying that he remember going on one tour where it was a bigger tour and he was he was the opening act. And it was like I just sold this place out three months ago with Hootie. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so that's funny. He does like a 20, 30 minute set when he was doing like an hour and a half, two hour set like three months ago. And so that's the thing is two different sounds, two different feels in, the, in that sense. And and the fans of Hootie and Blowfish aren't probably as fans as the country singers, but the same vice versa. You know, country singer, country music yeah, aren't really a fan of Hootie and Blowfish. But that's the thing is he didn't try to mesh them all together. So I don't know. It's just a little off tangent, but that's just something I thought was Yeah, I cool. kept him. <laughs> kept us two hats separate. Yeah, but I think that's just something kind of cool. But yeah, so going, you know, that's kind of what Trent Reznor did with this, you know, music, you know, sound stuff, and then what or his movies scores well, and his, he just his actual of, band. And in that sense, it's not that he's selling out crowds for yeah. I don't think he's going out there still, like performing. Yeah, but, but still, I mean, that's the thing is he's kept it. Thing. He's kept that same sound going through for Nine Inch Nails, but it shows his versatility for you know what else he can do. And then he's also done multiple things with other artists, just as Trent Reznor. 
you know, yeah. kind of collaborating. Well, I think like it's still Nine Inch Nails will always be his main vehicle. Oh yeah, and it will always be the one that he's probably most guarded about, and the one that he's going to put most of his focus on. You know, even though I know there was a period of time when he, you know, like when he had all his issues when he was talking about like maybe Nine Inch Nails needs to go away for a while. Yeah, and like and that's when he was probably just moving away from, but then he got back into it because in in many ways Nine Inch Nails has become synonymous with his name. And it is synonymous with his name. Yeah, but I, I think that's another thing. Is a lot it will of people, be his legacy. Yeah, but I think that's a, the thing. Is a lot of people expect a lot from musicians that they adore. Doesn't matter if you know, it doesn't have to be Nine Inch Nails or Trent Reznor. I mean, anything. You know, they'll they'll get to a certain thing that they expect something, and then when they, you know, don't produce something, they start you know falling out of their or the mind, or you know they start getting haggled or whatever. It's like, oh, well, these guys are you know, not doing anything else. Did they break up? Did they do this? It's like, no, we're just taking a break. <laughs> we need to do our own thing. We have families. We have whatever. And that's the thing is sometimes, yeah, the stress is going to get to you. And I think that's why Trent did that as well. It was like, well, you know, it may not exist anymore because kind of need a break. Right. You know? <laughs> and, but also in today's one-click digital world, oh, yeah. if you're away for too long, you will be forgotten. I mean, it's the same fear Elvis had in the 50s when he went to do his military service. Yeah. It's the same fear that you should have now, except at a much larger scale because there's oh, yeah. so many, so, oh, yeah, so yeah. many artists waiting, just waiting to take your spot. I mean, and that's, Especially if you're on top. And that's the thing is it's not even that if you're gone for too long, it's, you know, the spotlight kind of shifts slightly it's and you're not following the spotlight, you're going to fall out of the thing. Like Papa Roach, unless you're a really big fan of Papa Roach, no one hears about them. I didn't even think they were still active and then until I came across but that's still a video and, and it was like, oh, heck, they're still around. Limp Biscuit, apparently they're still doing some stuff. Yeah, apparently yeah, they're, they're still around but, <laughs> and they have been around but I yeah, like they like, have oh. a and there's a fan base, obviously. Yeah, but it's like, what, what the, what the hell? But it's fizzled. <laughs> it's, it's, like yeah, yeah. even like there's still boy bands around, but oh, you yeah. don't. They're not as heavily advertised as they were in the mid to late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Like but that's the thing is, I mean, if you're not following the spotlight by you know changing the sound or whatever, you're gonna be unknown pretty quickly. And yeah, that's and the thing is, it, it is a risky thing for an artist to say, you know what? Maybe we should just stop for a bit. You know. Yeah. But sometimes it's for your own health. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta do oh, it. yeah. Like, it might be nicer to uh, breathe the same air as everybody else as opposed to, like, up when you're up in the stratosphere that high, the yeah. air gets a little thin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you might be so detached from everybody else, you're not thinking straight. Yeah. So which, 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 uh, it's good to which, which puts me into a, a different statement. Because, you know, I haven't mentioned them yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get your glasses ready. Get your glasses yeah. ready, people. Because, <laughs> you know, speaking of someone too high in the stratosphere, because, you know, he's a dumbass. Freaking our president, Mr. Dumbass Trump. How much longer are we going to have to stand with this you guy until he freaking gets impeached? It's been proven multiple <laughs> times. He has ties to Russia. All, you know, there's his uh, campaign manager has been... Found guilty for you know getting information from Russia, which put him in prison, which should put him straight into prison, and yet Trump's trying to not deny everything. That dude should just be impeached. We need him out of the damn freaking office. 
Put the other guy in there. I don't care. I'm not afraid Depends. of that guy. Depends. I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid of Trump either, but still, I'm terrified in a sense for Trump because he's an idiot, and he'll press the damn button to kill us all. And Pence, he'll probably think about it a little bit. <laughs> you know? So you need to get right. him freaking out of there. Clearly, you're just trying to, a cuck trying to take away attention from crooked Hillary. Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> a typical response. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I had my 10-minute rant against Trump the, a few weeks yeah. ago in the last episode we had, so I'm not going to repeat. Go listen to that if you want to hear my opinions yeah. on him. Uh, you gave it a one-year timeline. You, you have until January. Yes, I know. Or, or you're going to have to this, eat crow. This, this dumbass should be gone already. I'm, I'm, just, I'm dumbfounded the fact that he hasn't been impeached yet. I mean, even if he gets impeached, yes, he may still remain in office. Yeah, impeachment isn't a removal. Yeah, he may still remain in office, but hopefully when he gets impeached, he'll be so damn embarrassed, he'll like, leave. You think Trump knows shame? You think Trump knows shame? No, but still, I mean, (laughs) something, come on. (laughs) He doesn't want to mean it. I mean, talk about like, he was born up on that stratosphere. The air he's been breathing has been so thin, his brain is under the road. Yeah, okay, he doesn't. He's Damn. not freaking chimpanzee. He doesn't name freaking lobotomized. Yeah. He does not register things the way he gives a bad name to anybody else. <laughs> As a look, no one wants a redhead president more than I do. <laughs> yeah, he's not redheaded. He's orange, but still it gives all his gingers a bad name. Yeah, but anyway. his ginger skinned. <laughs> But yeah, anyways. Okay, so we we come full circle in the drinking game. All of you took your shots. <laughs> <laughs> you went in, you got Metallica and you got in there. I mean, uh, just, you know, I guess closing words on Tread Reznor, even though I think I've already given mine. I I think that as far as like one day music goes, he's already left. Like even if he stopped doing anything now, he's already left his mark. Oh, yeah. And he, his legacy is pretty damn secure. I, I'm hoping he sort of comes up with music. For yeah. you, as long as he can. I mean, yeah, Ozzy yeah, Osbourne yeah. is in the 70s and he barely now declared that he's going to retirement again. For the eighth time, yes. Yes. But well, yes. He'll still be around here and there. Yeah. I mean, that he, he's still kicking, so I'm sure he's still going to be going. You know, he, he, he hasn't uh, left like some other musicians who have uh, died off on us. But, you know, he, he's 2017 is still... Still going on, buddy. Yeah, the no. graveyard of the the year that was like the graveyard for all musicians. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, a lot of great ones have passed. Starting in January, and going all the way down. It was, seemed like for a few weeks it was like, who's dead now? Yeah, that's it. There, I don't know. But anyways, but yeah, <laughs> that's that's the closing thoughts, I guess. All right, closing thoughts on Trent. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. All right, guys. Bye. See you.